Hello everybody, this is Brunvagun, this is Stefano, you will not get there on a road bike. Or probably you can, if you are somebody that you are gonna know at the end of this episode. Because that guy can go everywhere, also with a normal road bike. Mud, snow, ice, everything. Nothing is really impossible for him. I'm talking about a really good friend of mine that actually helped me on building this episode. I remember that I was there, I was, it was, it was, I think it was completely a Tuesday, like my recording day, and I received an email and was telling me, man, you really need to interview Brady Lawrence. He's the perfect character for your podcast. And that's what I've done. I interviewed Brady straight away after my small talk here at the beginning of this episode. But let's start with the kick-in of the episode as usual. So you know already my contacts and social media, but it's always worth it to remember it to you. So in on Instagram, the handle is CalamaroCC and it's exactly the same where you can find on Facebook. So CalamaroCC and there you will find my Facebook page. And then there is Twitter, not so much active in this period. It's really complicated to get through all the things. But anyways, you can find something there as well on the handle Read Calamaro. And then Spreaker, and then there is Apple Podcasts, and then there is Spotify, and then there is everything where you can find podcasts out there. I actually got to know that also on Google Podcasts there is Broomwagon. So look only for Broomwagon or Broomwagon, as I like to call it, on or your platform and you will find my voice. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on there. Well, a couple of things, maybe just one, we two to say. So the first one is that now we are working hard. I'm trying to support Lennon. This is his project. I'm here just to support him with some tiny things and also to give him a bit motivation. But it's shaping up late as usual. But La Resistente 2019 is getting a shape. So yeah. Try to have a look around and I believe that in a couple of weeks you will have the date that I know already but I don't want to spoil it and all the details out there in the internet. Anyways, you're gonna know it more also from me over here. The other thing is that it looks like everybody that is gonna participate to the transcontinental race got their answer. Something was so, so. Some of those receive a yes as an answer. Somebody else got a no as an answer. It's everything there. It's everything written white on black on the other right way around. Black on white, and you will find anything on the social media and stuff. Now I'm just waiting for the volunteers call opening up, and then I would think that I can put my name out of it. And some other project for the future are also taking a shape. So wait for it, something new is gonna come. What else? I believe that right now uh, we can actually start straight away with the new episode of Broomwagon with Brady Lawrence. Go for it! Hi everybody, another episode of Broomwagon, another guest. Even if you just should know everything, because at that point I would have already started the recording and you already listened to something. But these are technical things that you don't want to know. The only thing that you want to know right now is the guest that I have today. And probably today I'm not going to make any mistake on pronouncing his name. 
I'm here together with me on making the interview on talking with or having a chat with Brady Lawrence. How Brady are you doing? Uh, I'm great, Stefano. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. You you got the name right. That was that was spot on. Yes, yes. I think it's the first time in my podcast life that I get <laughs> a name pronounced correct. It's easy, by the way. It's really easy. Thank you, thank you. I don't know. I have to say thank you to your parents and to your all your <laughs> relatives around that gave you and provided you with a really easy name for me. Thank yeah. you, thank you, words. Well, of course, and I'm glad. I'm glad to. Um, so why today we are talking with Brady? Brady is a for sure uh, hungry cyclist, hungry not only in terms of food but in terms of kilometers in the legs, and a content producer, a content creator about bicycle. But I always think that better than myself presenting my guests is better let them have a couple of words about themselves because I don't know anything mostly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like you said, Brady Lawrence. I'm uh an avid cyclist i really like traveling by bike i'm not much of like a performance road cyclist kind of guy but uh i've always thought or at least for the last 10 years of my life or so that the bike is the absolute best way to see a place and uh kind of leaned into that and yeah i live in seattle washington on the in the pacific northwest of the u.s and i work as a freelance videographer and photographer. And when I'm not working, I'm trying to get outside, basically. But it happens also that while working, you are on the bike as well, right? Yeah, as much as I can, for sure. Um, obviously, those uh, gigs don't always pay the bills. So, uh, you know, have to do the odd other jobs for companies. But uh, yeah, as much as I can, I try and work on the bike, shoot from the bike. Okay, okay. Maybe we can start from here. Um, how did it happen, actually? How bicycle came into your life and how? Uh, so when I was in university, I was told about a bike trip called Bike and Build by a friend. And Bike and Build is a nonprofit that takes basically college-aged people and you do a cross-country trip to raise awareness for affordable housing. And uh, so it's like it's got a sag wagon, a broom wagon, and uh, you don't have to carry any bags, but you cross the country. There's a couple different routes. And the whole way you work with uh, various organizations like Habitat for Humanity to uh, build houses and uh, for people, for people in, of low socioeconomic backgrounds. And uh, yeah, basically, it was like summer camp on wheels. It was just this incredible experience uh, riding, you know, through the Rockies across. I rode from North Carolina to San Diego. Um, wow. And it was just, yeah, it was like a dream. It really was just this sort of perfect summer for me. And uh, ever since then, I've been hooked. That was it. So... Actually, your first real experience with a bicycle was actually really a, a long trip on the bike. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, more or less, I'd, I'd obviously, uh, I'd ridden some mountain bikes before. I had a hardtail mountain bike that I like to take out and ride on single track, but wasn't especially uh, good. I was, my background's actually in distance running. I was a cross country and track and field athlete for a long, long time. And then, so yeah, at some point, I was like, ooh, 
cycling is a lot more fun than running. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stick to this. Yeah, it's faster on one side, but not super fast. And uh, you can really see. Um, yeah, it's better, let's say, to travel with your bicycle than uh, travel while you are. I don't know. Uh, running let's say yeah. because yeah you can carry more stuff especially if you have a vague a broom wagon close to you <laughs> yeah with a broom <laughs> for sure that, then it's uh then it, that's a lot easier <laughs> for sure but if i can still ask you a question from this experience that it sounds really 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 amazing um which was what was actually the thing that um yeah hit you the most in this thing it was more more about the social part so um, with the people that you were riding with or more the thing that you were traveling on the bicycle seeing a lot of stuff and really crossing the whole country a uh, country to uh, with a bicycle or i don't know the suffering or the possibility of eating all the food that was close <laughs> to you what was it uh i def- it was definitely a mix of a lot of things i think that um i think the pace that you see landscapes that you see towns and cities especially in the united states um is is perfect for bike riding there's when when you're riding on these old highways that crisscross the entire united states if you're driving you blow through these tiny old towns and you don't even really see them and when you're on a bicycle you kind of can see all these little details these like old cafes and you can just stop in and like you said uh just eat as much food as you possibly can um and i think that for me that was the biggest takeaway was just getting into that mode of travel we had one day that was a really long it was the highest day we went up uh in colorado over the rockies we passed a place called monarch pass and it was this kind of long day through the rockies and we went up to I guess about 4,000 meters. Wow. Um, in the Rockies. And it was, I don't, it was just incredible. You just kept going up and up and up and up and up. And finally, when everybody got to the top, we all had like a big dance party. And so for me, that was, that was one of the absolute highlights of, yeah, just if you had driven up to that pass and gotten out and looked around, obviously you would have been able to enjoy the beauty, but there is something about the culmination of all of that, of starting on the beach on the Atlantic ocean in North Carolina, and then ending up on top of this pass in the Rocky mountains and all the sweat and calories that went into that process. Uh, and to do it with people too, was this sort of almost profound moment. Um, yeah. So that was wild. I don't know. Uh, how did you call this um, this kind of event? This kind of ride? I don't. Oh, uh, it's called know. it's called bike and build. It, bike and build, exactly. Yeah. And, and is it still happening? Or yep, it happens every summer. Uh, quite a few. I think it's. I don't know the numbers, but I mean, a couple hundred uh, young people do different routes. That's really amazing. Do you remember your bicycle? The bicycle. I still wheels. have it. It's a it's a giant giant Defy. It's a aluminum giant defy. So it's it's um for you it's it's a bike that you would sort of need a broom wagon for. It's not it's not the best uh for a loaded cross country tour. But okay. 
Yeah, it was a great bike. I still I still ride it. Ah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And apart from this one, how many bicycles do you have? Uh, <laughs> it's always in flux. Right now, I have three bikes. I've got another giant mountain bike, and then I've got a Surly disc trucker. That's my my main bike. I don't know. All the, a lot of people that I'm talking with, a lot of my best friends, really, they're all of them riding a Surly. It could be a struggler, it could be... <laughs> everybody of them have it and uh, they make great bikes they just work exactly and for long travels and whatever is the best probably is the best yeah i've never had really many problems on it so i'm i'm definitely happy with it yeah and okay keeping for a tiny second the bicycle if we can but i don't think that we're gonna do it for a long time keeping bicycle at certain point for on the side how did it happen actually that you met the the one that is right now your job so the content creation part um how did i get into that yes i um i've sort of always done it is the honest answer i started making videos when i was in high school i just took my high school, I was lucky enough to have a video class in high school and so got into video production at a very early age and then also studied it in university and have just kind of been doing that ever since. Um, I've definitely been pretty lucky to have good opportunities along the way to keep doing it because it's it's definitely a career where yeah, it's hard to it's hard to make it last and it's hard to make it sustainable, but I've been pretty fortunate to have been able to kind of keep doing it and to be able to keep making a living doing it. Yeah, that's great. That's really, really great. And in terms of actually um the media that you are producing, I know no, just tell me which one are the things that you're producing. So you're a content creator, this means video that you just mentioned. And mm-hmm. um so basically it's for me, it's a mix of video content, photo content, and writing. Um, I my main work is is probably video, uh, but I also this last year, for example, actively tried to write more and do more photography and kind of take a step back from video to engage more in those other fields in 2018, and uh, it worked. It worked pretty well. Uh, yeah, got to write an article for bikepacking journal and got to write an article for swan year and also for far ride magazine so uh kind of tried to dive into that world a little more and uh it was a lot of fun yeah um actually it was the first time that i noticed your um you're actually knowing that you were the one behind your story i would say because i was after i had a look to your portfolio online or whatever i noticed that i also had a look to other videos of yours it was actually on the bikepacking dot uh, on the bikepacking uh, journal where you have written about the um, your travel your journey that you have done in morocco which one are the other ones actually you mentioned also soigneur and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the far ride. What have you written? Uh, what did you write about? Swanier was also about Morocco. It was just a different part of the Morocco trip. Um, and then far ride was another. Both all three of them were collaborations with my friend Sebastian Hofer, who's also a uh, former Canyon employee as well, okay. and also a photographer and talented cyclist. Um, and the last, yeah, the one for far ride was he followed 
to German women. Ah, yeah, I got it. The story about the two girl, the two women on the transcontinental race. Exactly. Yeah. So I wrote that article. I interviewed them uh, from here. Actually, I just skyped with them and kind of got their story, and then tried to tried to do it justice. And that that one was very fun. That was very uh, one of the more sort of journalistic projects i've ever worked on it was a lot of fun to take that on and try and yeah try and do their story justice because it's a, it was a pretty fascinating story it's an amazing story and actually i can tell you that i really like the um, the irony of the start of your of your article when you were having fun of your own accent while speaking, oh, german. <laughs> speaking german yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah now i remember that and that was i read this a couple of times and then i said okay but come on you speak german stop saying that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Germans, yeah, Germans hard. I just, yeah, I was uh, a way to try and set set the stage. And I didn't know, I didn't really know how to start the article, I guess, other than to kind of tell people that why, or just to explain, like, why am I reading this article written by some American dude about two German women? Like, what's the connection here? So I just was trying to create some sort of connection. It was perfect. I really liked it. Actually, it was really the perfect took. Uh, after I've read this couple of lines at the beginning, I said, okay, this is going to be a great story. And it was. <laughs> Thank you. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I didn't know, actually, that you have written this one, the, that article, probably because I didn't notice the the secret, the name on top of it. But now that you are telling me, I remember it. It was, yeah. It was yeah, great. yeah. Also, because it was the period that I was uh, trying to get uh, on my Microsoft Anashlock to talk about the transcontinental race. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, when actually the, new, uh, the the magazine arrived in my hands, I said, okay, yeah, I have to push it a bit more because it's it's an amazing story. It's an amazing uh, ride, race, or how do you want to call it, event experience that they are building. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, talking about still talking about this kind of thing. Actually, so you were saying that you started already uh, writing, producing content, making videos when you were in the high school, and then you studied it, and then it's actually it's now your job. Uh, but it was always that you uh, have written. You have always written about or making made video, taking picture about bicycles and more than bicycle, bicycle and exploration, exploration on the bicycle. Or there is also something else you talked about, or since the beginning, you put your passion on the, of the bicycle, your passion of uh, your job, let's say, uh, and you put together, and since then, you're only doing that. Uh, honestly, no, that was, uh, it was a very long process, I think, to combine the two. Uh, with There's definitely a lot of intention behind it, but it took years. Uh, okay. I, I, because I got into cycling much later after I started doing video production and so i don't think i ever it wasn't until my last year of university that i kind of had this thought okay i want to try to do this i want to try and bring these two things together mm -hmm. and to do that i uh i just went and shot a mountain biking video with my friend who's like a he's a good mountain biker but he's a amateur mountain biker and um yeah we just went out and shot this video and tried to make kind of the prettiest mountain biking video we could uh with my buddy and it was just a really fun process and after that i uh actually ended up going and working for like uh, a reality tv company for several years doing uh camera work and doing 
working on documentaries there, uh, which is still a lot of what I do, not reality TV, but I do documentary work. Uh, and then this is sort of transition to another bike adventure thing. But in 2014, I was kind of, I was ready to move on from that job the, at the documentary company. And I came up or a friend of mine, Reese, we came up with a trip that we called Keys to Freeze, which was to ride from Key West, Florida, all the way to the top of Dead Horse, to Dead Horse, Alaska, to the Arctic Ocean. Okay. Um, so it's 8,000 miles, six-month trip through the United States. It's the southernmost road in the U.S. to the northernmost road. So it's crossing most of North America. And uh, yeah, we just came up with this idea. And at first it seemed wild and kind of ridiculous. And slowly but surely, we just kept talking about it. And at one point, we're like, okay, yeah, like we're really going to do this. So we partnered with the National Parks Conservation Association okay. and a website called Narratively to do content creation for them. And yeah, we went out and we spent six months on the road on surly disc truckers and yeah, produced content the whole way about. It was more about people and places. It was about people who, people and their interactions with their environment and people who were actively working to protect our landscapes and natural spaces. And yeah, it was a, that was that was the start of everything, really, was that trip. This is really amazing. I don't know. It's not the first time that they're listening to people that right now are uh, really on uh, on the content field, so in the content industry. And everybody, a lot of people told me, okay, because everything started with this specific trip mm, that yeah. you decided to do. And then... In your case, you wrote about it because you got actually in contact with the National Park Association. I'm sorry, I'm making a mistake. I don't know how do you call it, but yeah, this, uh, yeah. this is the concept. And so, okay, you got actually a partnership. Let's put it in that way better. Uh, you got a partnership and you wrote for them or whatever. Somebody else says, okay, and then I started creating my own thing, writing a blog or um, writing, just creating some articles to put in the newspaper, taking pictures and whatever. And then from there, everything started. It's really perfect. Something, because that, this is the only way, not having completely, let's say, uh, to think about, okay, I need to do it because I need to get money, but putting in the middle, at the center of this thing, the experience that you want to have, then I believe that everything become more real, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that first trip, we definitely did not make any money. It was exactly. definitely, uh, was like yeah, definitely yeah. spent a lot of money to make that trip happen. Um, but that was that was the point I'd saved up for about two years leading up to that, uh, sort of knowing that I wanted to do some trip. Uh, and then, yeah, when it seemed like the time was right and it's going to work out, it just was worth worth taking the jump. And that's, I also ended up partially working at Canyon Bikes in Germany because of that job or because of that trip and some of the work I did there. I think that we, this is actually a bit the elephant in the room here. It's comfortable anyways. It's a comfortable <laughs> elephant. It's a comfortable elephant. <laughs> And I would say, so you're mentioning a couple of times that you was here in Europe working for Canyon for some time. 
um, what were you doing for them? So which kind of content were you producing for them? What, which one was your, which one were your main task for them? And how was it? Uh, yeah, so I actually, when I first came to work at Canyon, my main work was, I, I speak German, I also studied German in university. So most of what I was doing was taking German texts and turning them into uh, more or less English product texts. Uh, okay. So when I first came in, it was a lot so of translation. Product, exactly. Product translator. Product yeah. copywriter translator. translator exactly. Copywriter. So okay. that's uh, what I started doing there. And uh, and like writing short articles, race recaps, stuff like that uh, with my good friend and colleague, ex-colleague, uh, Matthew Leake, uh, who's also a bike packer and just very, he's a very talented cyclist. Um but yeah, so we were doing that, and then slowly over time, I kind there's a lot of need for content. You know, now with sort of every company has a social media presence, every company has these kind of crazy need, this crazy need for editorial style content constantly. Uh, and so I just positioned myself as someone who I had my own camera set up. I could more or less create whatever needed to be created videos or photos uh and just leaned into that and yeah ended up mostly doing video and photo work for the two years i was there okay perfect and there was so i've seen a couple of those the one that are right now okay i remember a lot of video with crazy descents and downhills of the mountain on the on yeah some mountain bikes true and then I've seen another series talking about the monument race. Oh yeah, uh, those the, the mountain bike ones were done by uh, a group of guys called Neuland, um, who are super super good. But yeah, we did the ones on the monuments. Okay, okay. So I remember these ones, and so it was everything actually really really in let's say in the two thousand and ten period of life. So in the second. Uh, 10 years of 2000s, something like really related, not on performance, not a huge TV spot, nothing like this. It was more related to the experience itself, isn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, my background is in documentary style storytelling. And so that is sort of always what I, that's what I've always been drawn to, less the, less the very glossy, pre-scripted uh advertisement style thing and more the editorial style documentary content where you're more trying to convey an experience like a personal experience that is relatable to your audience as opposed to showing them you know whatever the next great pro doing you know, I don't know, setting some record. That's what actually I really appreciated by uh, actually from your work from the project of the monuments of uh, Paris Roubaix. I watched Paris Roubaix to the Flanders, to the Flanders, especially because you were really going with the bicycle that we would, we were showing there on the bicycle, really the things that I've done twice in a row. And oh, cool. It's really a piece of my heart over there. And, but that's what I experienced, you know, because it's super easy to uh, grab your pro team. Uh, I'm not going to talk about whom, but yeah, talking about Canyon, we all know what we're talking. So taking your pro team and shooting off the next pro that is actually doing this in, uh, let's say, in this time, one, seven times this, 15 times that, is way different actually taking the normal user of the bicycle that is actually the person who will buy that bicycle and bring 
him on or her really on the epic road where you always wanted to ride your bicycle. This is yeah. really the best experience that you can give to the people anyways, because they visualize themselves there. And that's amazing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. That was just a super fun project. It's the guy riding the bike is who I mentioned earlier, Matt Leak. Okay. And it was sort of his, uh, it was his baby. And it was kind of born out of just that, <laughs> at least partially, that he really wanted to ride the courses, <laughs> ride parts of the courses. Uh, and so he kind of came up with this idea of to show people less. Yeah, to show them less of, oh, here's the race. This is the result. And to show them this is why these to try and convey why the races are so important and what makes them so unique and special to so many people. Uh, actually, you can notice from the way he was bouncing on the pavés or on the cobblestones of the Paris-Roubaix that he's really strong on the bicycle. Huh? He's very strong, but even we shot for like one hour there, so not super <laughs> long, and he got a blister. He got a huge no blister on his hand in one hour. It was really... It was one of those things where, I, I mean, I obviously, you know, have, had watched the races, um, but it was really to actually ride on those cobblestones and to see them in person completely changed how I thought about the races. It is truly unbelievable that they're able to ride as fast as they do during the races. It's It's absolutely wild that they can... Yeah, they can ride that entire course and ride it so quickly because it is just truly brutal. Yeah, actually, but what did we learn from that then? That or your name is Tom Bonin or put some gloves on your hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you should have worn some gloves for sure. <laughs> Gloveless is only for people that name starts with Tom and finish with Bonin. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying this thing also to myself because I usually ride gloveless all glossless all the time no yeah. gloss on my hands i've done it the, in the, this was the way that i've done actually to uh to the flanders in a row but then when you crash and your hands looks like when yourself <laughs> look like with, with the hands of jesus christ it's not cool <laughs> yeah yeah a little stigmata exactly. um. <laughs> yeah it looks like i don't know a polanski movie and it's not cool <laughs> And um, okay, just let me think about because I got a couple of ideas in my mind for asking you, but I didn't take note. Let's think about it. Let's see if I remember it. Yeah, just one for sure. We were talking about um, yes, the uh, the content production. So uh, the stories that you write or the stories that you film, everything that you put here and there. How do you usually, and how have you done, how are you doing right now, how did you do when you were working for Canyon and stuff like this? How do you usually choose your story? And which one are your preferences? I mean, okay, you are going to try to get the best places where to write, for example, and to show to the people, or you're, you usually, and so putting yourself or your partners as first person to tell this story, or you prefer to go and find somebody uh, to follow and to tell the story about also in these places or in other places on their back door, whatever. How do you see that? If it makes uh, sense, actually. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I, I think lately I've done a lot of first person. I've done a lot of telling stories from my perspective, uh, which, which I do like a lot trying to, yeah, just the challenge of trying to, take your audience or take a reader and 
bring them into the world that you're in is is a challenge that I like and try to you know do my best to do justice to these places and the people that you meet while you're on the bike. Uh, so I've definitely done a lot of that first person uh, for in terms of writing, but in terms of video, uh, I don't I don't really like being in front of the camera as much. Uh, so and obviously as a filmmaker my the films i make end up being about people or places and not necessarily about my personal experience which makes the writing side of things when i am writing from a first person perspective that much more fun uh but you asked in terms of what do i look for i'd say that it's it's a much more organic process especially when it's not for when it's not a specific project for a company, uh, it's, it's much, it's a much more organic process. Like, well, okay, where do we want to ride? We want to do a trip through Morocco. Right. And then you don't really know what to expect. Right. You could try and that's the thing with these trips is that you can try and plan as much as you try and plan out every day and plan out every little detail, but in Morocco and in just about every trip I've been on like this, you always end up kind of throwing out the entire plan almost in like the first two days, just because stuff, either a road that was on the map doesn't actually exist or, you know, the weather is horrible and you need to turn around or go somewhere else. Uh, so I, I like leaning into that side of it. Um, the founder of Patagonia has a sort of famous quote where he said that, it's not really an adventure until things start to go wrong. And I've, I've, I've found that to generally be true in my experience with these kind of things is that, yeah, like the best laid plans of mice and men, it kind of, you can do all the planning you want, but normally something's going to come and throw a wrench. And it's really about what happens after that, after everything gets derailed and how you react to that and what you do after that is, is where the stories come from. Yeah. Cool. Super cool. Let's talk about that. Let's go into it. I'm not checking at all my template of topics that I want to talk about <laughs> right now. After you told me that and you started talking about Morocco, I want to know more about it. How was the trip? How did you decide to go there and tell me all the highlights? Or if you want to hide something and say to everybody only, okay, just get your copy of Swanger or <laughs> bike packing journal, I think is, is over. At the point, it was a, a really yeah. nightmare for me to get Sold a copy. Out. I'm <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> but I got it. So, yeah, I've read about that. But tell us a bit more, maybe something like, I don't know, some hidden stories or some cool stuff. Tell us more about the Morocco travel. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it was really the, the idea behind it is not actually that exciting. It's uh, I just had my visa, my German visa was tied to my job. And I was going to let it run out. So my visa was up at the end of January. And I knew that I wanted to do another bike tour. And so the question was, where can I fly relatively affordably that is also warm? And Morocco was kind of the obvious choice for whatever reason. Uh, it was like Morocco is, I thought at least at the time, was going to be pretty warm in February. And so... Yeah, just booked flights to Morocco with 
out without much of a plan. Uh, I knew that I wanted to go south and I wanted to ride in the mountains of Morocco. And then I knew I wanted to go from Morocco and ride back through Spain to Germany, um, back through Spain and France to Germany. So that was the plan as much as there was a plan. And then things kind of, one thing led to another and my friend Sebastian ended up joining me for the first 10 days, uh, which is how that's why there are so many photographs, especially like photographs of me, which normally I never have photographs of me. So that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was really, I mean, you've read the article, so you have a general idea of this, but it was, it was not, nothing was what I expected in the end, more or less. I, uh, I think everything kind of was derailed, whether it was the weather being crazy and like there being tons of snow and freezing rain, um, whether it was, you know, this kind of expectation that I had that this was going to be like the American West where there's nothing there. In reality, in Morocco, there's people in little huts and uh, shepherds everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. So it was, uh, it was this kind of, it was just, it's what you want from that experience, or at least what I look for, which is just to have your expectations more or less be thrown out the window and turned on their heads and to really learn about a place to learn about people and to ultimately learn about yourself and how you react to these kind of situations, which is fun. And it's cool to do it with other people as well, because you really, uh, those bonds you form, and you know from the trips you were you've told me about anytime you do one of these really difficult not they're not really difficult but anytime you do one of these trips where you're hungry you're tired you're cold and you see how people react it's really kind of a it's a heightened level of friendship i feel like in some ways because you know a lot of people you could be friends with a person for your whole life and go to the bar every other week, every week, hang out, talk, have a good time. But you never really would have these experiences where it's like, oh, how does Brady react? You know, when he hasn't, when you're running low on water and, you know, you're in the middle of the desert and things are starting to go very badly, how does Brady react to that? And that's, I don't know, that's, I've always, those are cool moments and it's cool to make friends that you can count on in those situations, I guess is what I'm saying. It's amazing. It's amazing. So for everybody of you outside, get your copy and read to the story because it's really amazing. You didn't say so much. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't say that much. I guess one thing I could briefly talk about that is not in those is, is that a big part of it was trying to travel by myself. So I had never done a trip by myself. Um, On the bike or in general? Uh in general, going into 20, going into the last year, 2018, I kind of made this resolution that I was going to travel a lot by myself. I had done some, but just not much and certainly not in remote areas and on a bike. And so, yeah, after Sebastian left, he flew out of Marrakesh, which is kind of where uh, the article, the bikepacking journal article ends. Uh, after that, I went out and traveled through the north of Morocco by myself. And that process for me was kind of one that it was just incredibly valuable to me to 
have that experience and to be in this situation where, yeah, where you're just alone. And I was camping in like olive, not olive gardens, that's the wrong term, but like camping in on olive plantations and just, you know, guerrilla camping in different parts of Morocco and then made my way. And I, there's just, there was one night where I was riding sort of in the middle of nowhere in Morocco. There's nothing around. There's this huge storm coming in. Um, and I was panicked more or less trying to find a place to set up my tent and had gone up this one dirt road only to get yelled at by a shepherd to tell me to leave. And then I turned around and I was trying to decide whether I was just going to ride through this storm and ride through the night and try and figure it out. But ultimately I ended up just going up this random road, finding an abandoned house and setting up my tent and getting everything together right before it started pouring rain and yeah, getting into my tent and starting to cook my meal and just having this feeling of like, all right, man, you did this. Like you can, you could do anything like this is, this is wild basically. Um, and yeah, that, that feeling was, it was the first time I had ever like put myself in a situation like that. And I, yeah, it was cool to just to have that experience and to sort of know like, all right, man, like you can, you can handle these situations by yourself, which was, uh, yeah, I found very valuable. Yeah. It's really, it's really great story actually, but yeah, really fascinating, really, really great, but you survived. Everything was fine. You wrote an amazing story. Yeah, I survived. Exactly. Oh, it's perfect. You have a great memories of that. It's, this is the classical type, the classic types, type two fun, classic thing. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of type two fun. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I was actually also apart from talking about yeah, your travel in my in Morocco. We talked already about all the travels that you have done, all the trips that you have done also in uh, in the US. Great thing. I also was digging a bit into your Instagram account. Sorry, it's part of my analysis and research. I uh, usually <laughs> yeah. don't do stalking in that way, but you know. <laughs> You have to talk with people, so you have to know. I've seen that also you have done a lot of trips also um, in Germany and uh, uh, Bavarian Alps and stuff like this. The thing that I want to saw, you actually, you were a lot um, in a lot of super cool place in talking about bicycle riding stuff and also other stuff. But yeah, for sure, you touched a lot of parts of the world for with amazing parts and amazing scenarios and amazing landscapes and stuff. Is there something like you will always remember in terms of an event that happened or, I don't know, a landscape that kept you completely breathtaking or, I don't know, whatever? Yeah. Uh, you mean specifically in Europe or just anywhere? In general, in general. Yeah. So it's that's actually an interesting question only because I was talking about it with a friend last night. Uh, okay. There was... Is, there's one day towards the end of Keys to Freeze, which was the six-month, 8,000-mile tour, um, I guess 14,000 kilometers for uh, all the European listeners, um, that, uh, yeah, we there's a, the northernmost mountain range in Alaska is called the Brooks Range, and north of the Brooks Range is more or less just tundra, and we had done this long day there's only one road that goes up there called the dalton highway it's a big dirt road that mm -hmm. is for trucks to service the oil field okay. and 
So you always kind of have these trucks around and it's weird because you're really super remote, but there are also these trucks constantly coming. And we went up to the highest point where the road goes called Adigan Pass uh, in the Brooks Range. And we decided to just climb this mountain that was next to where the pass went through. And so we left our bikes, scrambled for an hour or so up to the top of this mountain. And just the view from, it was just the first time in my life that I had been somewhere where truly, as far as you could see, hundreds of miles, there was just nothing. There was no, not a single sign of human development anywhere, um, which is somewhat, it's not unique to Alaska, but it's just that that feeling and that sense of awe and remoteness is not super common in the West anymore, certainly not in Europe. And just that, that feeling stuck with me and it's stuck with me ever since of just this, how powerful and awesome nature is and how, yeah, just how if you put yourself out there and you go to these places, just how small it makes you feel in a very positive way. It turns the day-to-day stress into makes you kind of just reminds you how small that stuff is. Are you thinking about going there again with a bike? Uh, I I would love to. There's a, while we were there, we met um, some guys uh, named John Bailey and Steve Fossbender, who uh, Steve Fossbender also wrote an article in the Bikepacking Journal. He's a very talented photographer. Uh, and they were doing like a much, much crazier trip than what we were doing. They had uh, specialized fat bikes and pack rafts, and they were doing off, just not even trails, but just going into the backcountry on fat bikes. And then every time they got to the Attigan River, they would take the river, they would load their bikes on the pack rafts and take the river for a while. So they were kind of doing this insane trip. And we, you know, anytime you do, anytime I've done one of these, any of these trips, you meet people on them who, who are doing something that's whatever, two, three, four times crazier than what you're doing. It's always nice to be reminded that there are people out there that are just taking, constantly taking these kind of trips to the next level. Uh, so I, I would like to do something more similar to that, something that's even more remote and even more in the backcountry. Uh, but yeah, not sure, not sure when. No plans for that yet. <laughs> that's great, actually. But this is the reason why um, there are, there is around people. So okay, no, just put it in the other way. Um, there are only two ways actually to meet these people that are doing crazy stuff in the outdoors and in the wild. One is doing it. Because usually, okay, you're going to find for sure nobody around, especially if you do so stuff that are so wild. But for sure, if you're going to find somebody out there, it's going to be somebody as crazy as you are or more. So the way is doing crazy stuff in order to find crazy people or as crazy as you are. And the other way is actually try to get in your hands some of the content that you or other people that are doing this crazy stuff 
are actually where they are actually doing. So news yeah. uh, magazines and watching videos and whatever. And at the end of the day, the word for this kind of things, especially for this kind of things, but really word is a village. When I talk with people uh, that are doing your your kind of exploration or that are in the bicycle world or whatever, it sounds like everybody knows everybody. And this thing is amazing. It's kind of rising the bar of amazing exploration, of, of discovering, of adventure, every time more because you're going to meet somebody else who will raise the bar and then this and then that and then you have amazing experience yeah absolutely it's a it's a very very small world um which is nice though that whole the whole scene of sort of people who choose to travel by bike and especially now sort of the off-road backcountry bikepacking is um yeah it's just a small family and so inherently whenever you choose to do one of these trips you kind of yeah i mean you're just going to meet like-minded people who are doing all the same kind of stuff and it's definitely inspiring it's been met a lot of inspiring people by dipping my feet into that world so it's uh it's cool to get inspiration from those people for sure yeah yeah it's really great uh, but are you only doing something like crazy exploration travels with your bicycle or you have also something like i don't know um something like a backyard ride that you're doing in us or a backyard ride that you were doing where you were living in koblenz or absolutely i mean yeah for sure koblenz uh koblenz is fantastic for bike riding that's one of the things i, I miss most yeah because it's right um it's right in the rhine right at the confluence of the Rhine and Mosul rivers. And it's right in these two valleys that have very more or less steep walls for growing Riesling, for growing wine grapes. And uh, yeah, it makes for great road riding, right? Just right from the doorstep, you could go out and get in some really great road rides and also really solid mountain biking in Koblenz. So, I mean, obviously uh, you work at Canyon, you work with a bunch of, it's mainly young guys who are really into bike riding. So uh, you definitely end up going out for a lot of rides. Um, and yeah, uh, in terms of what you can do in Seattle, it's crazy. I mean, there's just it's smack in the middle of mountain ranges to all sides. Um, and I haven't done any trips here yet, but gearing up for uh, to do a little one out on, it's called the Olympic Peninsula. It's just sort of whatever it's, you can do a lot of different trips out there but definitely want to go explore that part there's a whole mountain range that's sort of floating almost floating out in the ocean it's it's completely surrounded by salt water which is very pretty unique thing uh so definitely excited to get out there for some for some shorter sort of you know just overnighters yeah it's already enough are you waiting for the the spring then better weather a little bit yeah it's the weather in seattle is uh famously bad but uh exactly it, right now is is uh prime time for ski sing ski ski season you just have to get out of uh get out of the city in the rain and go up to where it's snowing maybe i'll buy a fat bike and uh and do some snow snow riding haven't done that yet so yeah, I have to. I, I believe that I need actually to interview somebody with uh, the fat bike. I don't know. I've heard somebody, and it was uh, actually Sogon last week, and he was telling me Sogon of Far Ride Magazine. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was telling me, ah, you know what? Because fat bike is uh, fat bikes is not a hype anymore. 
and they've done already something like this. Okay, fine. But the more I ever look around and the more uh, fat, bi fat bikes travel, I see. I remember one that I checked. Actually, it was exactly in bikepacking.com. It was this fat bike um, travel trip in Iceland. And oh, cool. It was really, really cool. And then I've seen so many other of that. So, yeah. I think that with those kind of bicycles, you can really go everywhere. Another one was of Corin and Andre. So uh, the guy, Andre is the guy behind the cheap bars. And uh, yeah, and they were doing, they were doing this travel. I don't know where, I don't remember where, but I've seen the images also on the snow with fat bikes. And they were saying, okay, we have to do it again or stuff like this. I think it's a thing. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a thing. I mean, that's what they were originally designed for was riding on snow, snow and sand. And I don't think, I think they got tried, they tried to, the bike industry tried to market them sort of as mountain bikes. And it doesn't seem like that worked especially well. But I think they're definitely still the best bikes for backcountry exploration. And saying this now, that's not from personal experience. Though. That's just from reading what other people have done. <laughs> but yeah i don't know i feel already super badass when i'm going out with my 3t explorer with uh 47 millimeters wide oh, nice. tires on the snow i feel already super badass even if yeah. at some point you see people with really really thin uh tires passing you and going as something like double of your speed uh, but anyways yeah yeah i need to work <laughs> on my handle uh, bicycle bike handling experience um uh, yeah experience and skills so i will do yeah. it that's, that's why that's I moved here to Zurich. Yeah, yeah exactly. well, it's a great place for that, for sure. <laughs> exactly. Do you have any plan for the future? So any trip that you're planning, any other whatever stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing is completely set in stone yet, but... Um, if you can tell us something, obviously. I don't want you to discover plans that nobody has to know. Oh, no, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> none of this is secret. Uh, I'm going to do... There's a trail called the Oregon Outback. That is, uh, it's not especially long, but it's just gravel roads sort of on the eastern side of the Cascade Mountain Range in Oregon, um, which I'm really excited to do. This summer I did, there's a bikepacking route that crosses all of Oregon on 60% single track called the Oregon Timber Trail that uh, I did with three friends. Uh, and that experience sort of, because mo most of what I've done has been a lot on roads or gravel roads and so getting that experience on sort of more this backcountry experience on single tracks um i really want to do a lot more of that now and so excited to do this another trip in oregon sort of a little bit in the backcountry there uh and then other than that um i'd like to do another trip up north into canada into british columbia but what that'll look like hard hard to say now definitely want to Try and keep things off road. Okay. I also try to. I, it's not gonna happen a hundred percent, but try to to still stay warm. I would not say hot, but warm. <laughs> Don't go out there yeah. in February, as I've read somebody did, or more or less as you have done actually going to Morocco. Try not to be covered in snow. Yeah. Say. Try not to feel <laughs> to freeze your toes. These kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how <laughs> it works. Yeah, I think some. I can't probably. Yeah. It's. Uh, for whatever reason, it just always seems like whatever. Maybe I'm just a bad trip planner. Is something maybe I just need to come to terms with that. 
because uh, most of the trips I go on end up being at least to some degree these like light supper fests. A bit, so, a bit. Um, yeah, but I think that you know it makes it maybe it makes it more rewarding. I'm not really yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> you definitely. can come back and say and, and tell the story about that for sure. It's huge rewarding. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's it's those. Those those hard moments are what make for the most fun stories. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, Brady, maybe the last thing that you can uh, uh, tell us or whatever is how can people find you? How people can find your works, your writings, your videos? Where social media? Am I forgetting something? Yeah. No? Okay. No, that's a that's that's a great question. I. Yeah, the easiest way to find everything is to go to bradylawrence.com. And from there, you can have a blog called Out of the Holler, which is a lot of first-person writing uh, and photographs. And then you can also get to my Instagram, Brady Lawrence Photo, from there. And there's also a reel, and most of the videos that I've produced are all there. Um, So yeah, that's probably the best way. It's a little... It's kind of everything in one. Perfect. And please, when if you are coming back to Europe for a small trip, a long trip, or whatever, give me a shout. Yeah, I abs- absolutely will. Uh, I have a couple of also here backdoor, uh, let's say rides, small rides, long rides, and a couple of days trip that I can show you. And it's amazing. So, yeah. That would be awesome. Maybe we can get you, me, and Reese Howell all together for a ride. Why not? Yeah, I actually, yeah, because that's something that we didn't say, and probably we have a bit to say something. Actually, this talk together with me and Brady is thanks to, to Reese. Reese is the guy that I interviewed some time ago, I would say more or less one year ago. Reese Owell is the, the, sur- the surname. And actually, while he was listening to a podcast and uh, to one of my episodes, he sent me a message and said to me, okay, man, you have for sure to interview Brady. You guys, you're gonna have a lot of things to talk to talk about together. And then I said, okay, just send out an email, and then we are here. Thanks, Reese. Thanks, Reese, for this yeah. episode. Actually, it's something like saying thank you at the end of an episode of a series or whatever, and uh, saying if this yeah. happens, exactly, if this episode happens, everything, all the credits goes to Reese. Thank you. <laughs> also, a bit, Go I believe Reese. that uh, also thanks to the both of us. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Stefano. This is this has been lovely. But let's do it in that way. Wait, wait, wait. Let's say, uh, let's make it a bit more personal. This is a great idea that just arrived into my mind right now. Do you have okay. any kind of funny story about Reese that you can say on records right now? <laughs> <laughs> about yes? Reese. Um pro I mean, probably I'm trying to think of what a funny I mean the funniest thing we did together was probably this we did a rafa prestige ride together called the rafa prestige bohemia that was uh i think it was like 220 kilometer ride that went from southern germany through the czech republic through poland it like did the kind of where all those countries meet uh and it was just it was just this outrageous ride i think reese was riding this could be wrong i think he was riding an air road though Small disclaimer, this was not actually the red arrow of Reese, but it was a red endurace from Reese. Different name, same concept. You can go ahead. And it ended up that 
this ride was just ton it we got soaked and this is just a theme but it was just cold and we got absolutely crushed by these <laughs> rainstorms and a ton of the trail was on um single track like muddy rutted out rudy single track and reese is riding an air road like with tiny little tires uh yeah and i just have all these pictures of reese kind of sending it down single track on like a era road bike for racing on roads and just that whole experience with him was absolutely outrageous and he was an excellent sport for not giving up and for finishing the whole ride on that bike that was truly that was exceptional way to go reese yeah yeah exactly it sounds exactly like a story with reese involved exactly that yeah <laughs> going on single track with an arrow oh it was wild it was so silly he i think he could hardly believe that he was doing it himself it, it looked uh, it looked ridiculous but he did it he made it all the way through uh, that's a, maybe it's something that we can do you can give me if you can one of these pictures so it's gonna be the launch on instagram for this episode so it's gonna be also there and it's gonna be absolutely Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you right now. Thank you. So we can have actually also a bit of fun of Reese. It was, anyways, it was a great thing that he put us in contact. But anyways, he need to be involved in a proper way in this talk. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> cool, Brady. It was really a pleasure. Thanks a lot. And also for the anecdotal part. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I, uh, this was a real pleasure. <laughs> great. I will talk to you soon. And uh, yeah. Ciao. See ya. Bye bye. Thanks, Brady, for the great interview, and thanks, Reese, to make it happen. And uh, yeah, you're really the best. You are the, both of you. You are really the best guys. It was really an amazing and uh, yeah, a funny chat. A lot of laughing was involved over here. And yeah, Reese is such a great character. And thanks actually for supporting me all the time, as you need to support me, people out there. And uh, yeah, please, if you liked this content let me know and send me a feedback and so we'll know what i'm doing good what i'm doing wrong and the best thing that you can do actually to give feedbacks and reviews is to hit the review button in the platform that allows you to do that and uh, yeah right there if you liked or not this podcast better if you say that you liked it and even better if you can send me a personal message a personal email you know already my uh, my email over there hello at calamaro.cc or my handle on instagram and on facebook is calamaro.cc or on twitter you can find me on read calamaro and you can find this content on spotify spreaker apple podcast google podcast just look for broom vegan over there I have to say thank you to, to 3T, as usual, supporting me with this amazing 3T Explorer. And I believe that tomorrow is going to be the day that I will jump back on my bicycle because I've not been doing it so much in this period. Um, nothing else to say but apart from enjoy your week and I will talk to you next week. Bye, bye, bye. Mm -hmm.